your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin, James Fox alongside us. The Chicago White Sox have a brand new manager. His name is Pedro Griffol, and we are ready to talk about everything that just happened. Because we're recording the day of the White Sox announcing Griffol as the manager officially. James, I, boy, sigh of relief. I'm excited. I can't help but say that I'm optimistic because... Everything essentially that we got out of the press conference and what we were hearing about Pedro Grifol, just some secondhand information, makes me encouraged that this organization is on the right track. Yeah, I think days like this are good, right? Like I, I feel like everybody kind of should be encouraged. Like and like I've tried to, you know, I guess I'm saying now, but you know, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to work, right? But that's what it's supposed to sound like, and I feel like we're not used to it you know, just because of what we've dealt with here and, you know, obviously like the last 2 years uh kind of seem like a giant waste of time. I think we've talked about that a lot. Rick Hahn basically said the same thing today. So, you know, this is like a baseball lifer that seems ready for this job. And everything I heard over the last week or so, like reaching out to people and contacts was was good, right? And it's generally like that for hires. You know, but then speaking today, I think I think we understand why you know, this guy was the choice to be the next manager of the White Sox. So yeah, I think, I think it was a positive day. A lot of relationships being built and I was encouraged to hear self-awareness. I don't know how you felt about Rick Hahn and Pedro Grafal's statements. I know there was a lot of things that stood out to you and I, but the one thing that really did stand out to me that Rick Hahn said was acknowledging the insular higher culture in Major League Baseball and the significance of that because we we live it. Like the White Sox are prime offenders. It seems to me, James, that going in this direction, hiring Pedro Grafal is a commitment to the organization. I think organizational consistency is on its way. And we're going to get to some quotes from the press conference that we heard from Rakan and Pedro Grafal. There's some things that I'd love for the listeners to hear, and we'll get a reaction out of it as well. But James, just in terms of organizational consistency, one of the things that stood out to me, among others, is the open line of communication. It seems like Grafol and the front office, as well as the coaching staff, will be in lockstep with what the general manager, Kenny Williams, and all those who are responsible for the 40-man and the minor league rosters it just are on the same page. And that's what I was was hoping for, and that's what I heard. Well, I just feel like, you know, in every profession, like people in leadership positions, you know, you have to put people that you trust in charge of like all the things like under you. Right. And he he mentioned that like accountability is essentially just like empowering people to do their own jobs, which is true. But I feel like, you know, he he's very self-aware. I, I just like think it's different than what we've been dealing with. Right. Because it, it was not this the last two years. And you know, I feel like it's tough to talk about this without going back to to Tony Larusa, but like it, it just like always kind of goes back because like he had his coaching staff, and maybe those guys were good at what they were doing, but it's like the the Tony message, right? That like supersedes others. 
it just, it can't be like that. The other organizations aren't run like that anymore. And it, and it shows, you know, just like some of the, you know, the current personalities that are no longer managers in major league baseball, right? Because you, you have to be in lockstep with your, with your training staff and with your analytics people and with your front office. And like, it has to be, you know, like a team goal to win the game that day. And at least, you know, with what Pedro Griffel has said, like he, you know, he seems to understand that. And so like, I, I feel like they're finally on the right track to the point where they're not going to be losing baseball games, you know, because of the guys in the dugout, they, they might lose some, you know, because they're not good enough or they make the wrong roster choices or whatever. But like, at least you're not bringing a knife to a gunfight any longer. And that's just like what it seemed like for the, you know, for the last at least year and a half, I would say. So we'll get to some sound here in a minute, but I want to go over this quickly as James Fegan released an article a day prior to the announcement of Pedro Griffol. Fegan reported that Frank Manichino, hitting coach, the third base coach Joe McEwing, and catching instructor Jerry Naren will not be returning in 2023. That does not include all of the names who may not return in 2023 for the Chicago White Sox. So there were there will likely be more coaches who are on Tony LaRusso's coaching staff in 22 off the roster completely. I think, James, I want to touch on one thing that I want to give you credit for because this hiring process obviously had a, a ton of twists and turns just based on the leaks or what was rumored to be true and, and what turned out to be just kind of a smokescreen. The question is, Pedro Grafol worked for the Kansas City Royals for as long as he did. He was a minor league director with Seattle, and then he worked his way into the Royals organization. But it was Matt Quattraro earning the job in Kansas City over Pedro Grafol. Why is that? So, I mean, it, from what I've gathered, I mean, it just kind of seems like, you know, some of it is Matt Quattraro was in Cleveland at the same time that John Sherman was in Cleveland. John Sherman's the new, I guess, like the stakeholder. He's the owner of the Royals, technically. Um, so, like, he wanted to go outside. He they went. They kept JJ Piccolo, who was um, underneath Dayton Moore as the as the new GM and head of that baseball operation. But I think part of that was wanting to go outside for manager. You know, the owner got his own guy, who's also you know seemingly qualified in Matt Quattraro. So like, I don't think it's fair, you know, to see people kind of say like, Oh, like, you know, you hired the Kansas city bench coach when Kansas city wouldn't even hire the Kansas city bench coach. I just, I think it was like a little bit deeper than that. And like, like, I don't, I don't think we're even sure that like if offered all three jobs, like why wouldn't, you know, Pedro Griffol take the white Sox one over the, I mean, he's from Miami too. So, you know, I just, I, I think that's kind of, nonsense. But I think that's, you know, I think that's the reason. And I think Quattrero might, you know, he, he could be fine in Kansas City too. So that, you know, that, that was just like something I had heard like throughout the process. And I think, I think that's kind of out there now too, just like the relationship that Quattrero had with the owner in Kansas City. Yeah. I think it was just important to mention because it's fair to wonder why didn't Kansas City hire their own? So let's move on to some of this sound. And I also should mention that it was announced in the press conference that Charlie Montoya will be the bench coach for Pedro Grafol, which is encouraging. And we also know that Ethan Katz is the pitching coach. Kurt Hassler, the bullpen coach, will remain on the staff, and we expect some hires moving forward. We'll get to the hitting coach, a name that we believe is the candidate who will likely take over. But before we do, let's talk about and hear 
from Pedro Grifol and what he believes is most important in his managerial style. Communication is one of the biggest parts of my leadership, right? And uh, I think it's really important that you empower players, you empower coaches, you collaborate. Everybody's a big part of this. I think our successes are tied together. And raising the energy level every single day is extremely important. As far as, you know, new ideas and analytics and all this stuff, you know, I'm well versed in this stuff. Uh, Ideas are stuff that come up daily, especially when you have a very creative staff. We're just going to be prepared to play. We're going to work hard and we're going to be prepared to play. So just in that bite, James, is essentially everything that I wanted to hear from the Chicago White Sox manager. I wanted communication, open line. I wanted uh, an emphasis in creating energy, however that may be done from the manager's perspective to empower players to play at their fullest potential. He mentioned incorporating analytics. And the more that we read about Griffel's tendencies suggests that analytics are a part of his game, but also understands that the human element plays a significant role in these decisions. So the jury's out on how obviously he'll make in-game decisions with bullpens and starting rotation, managing players and all that. But just hearing the philosophy behind a guy in Griffol who wants to empower the players every day to play 100% is encouraging to me. What did you take out from that quote? Yeah. So I guess like, I just like kind of liked most of what I heard, like the accountability stuff and collaboration and empowerment. Right. I think those are the two big words. Like everybody's kind of said that this guy is like, this electric communicator that like gets the best out of people. Right. And he's had stories about Salvi Perez and other people have too. He was a little bit modest about it today, I think, but you know, others have all kind of said the same things about Pedro Grifol. You know, he's like one of these guys who, you know, like brings good stuff to coaching staffs like all the time. Right. That's like a little bit of like an unsung hero type that doesn't get the credit, but you know, he gets it after it seems like, right. Like Ned Yost and, a whole bunch of other people have just like kind of talked about how great this guy's going to be at this job and we'll see. And I have no reason to not believe them just, you know, hearing some of the, the things that he was talking about. So, you know, I said that I wanted like a more modern analytically driven, like Spanish speaker was like my ideal method for this new White Sox manager. And I think we got that. I think, you know, people should be excited about what they've heard, you know, so far with him talking to the media and, you know, we'll go from here as far as, you know, what that means for the baseball team. So let's hear from Griffol again about how he will use and incorporate analytics into his coaching style. Analytics is a big part of the game. I mean, I'm well-versed in analytics. That's going to set the foundation for a baseball game, how to navigate a baseball game. There's no doubt. The team that we'll bring in for the hitting, they're going to be well-versed in analytics too. And they're going to, their program's going to be geared for, you know, pitchers with vert and horizontal movement and, you know, so on and so forth. So analytics is a big part of this thing. And it's going to lay the foundation on how we approach a given pitcher or a given team that particular night. However, these are humans and they're not, they're not robots. And, you know, things change and we got to be able to make adjustments. And, you know, given my experience of managing in winter ball and dealing with analytics, I feel like we'll have a good base on what we need to do in any given situation in a ball game, whether it's analytically or dealing with the human element. So there it is. To take advantage of the information is all I'm asking for the White Sox to do. And it's not that they didn't have the information in the past. It's the man in charge of the dugout who didn't want to incorporate it because he was just my way or the highway. Griffol understands 
the value of the James, the horizontal movement stuff. That's what I'm talking about. He understands the value in what the analytics mean. And I'm just curious how he's going to be able to tell the players or help the players understand how to use it to get better. That quote right there leads me and is part of the reason why I'm feeling optimistic about the future of the franchise, because there's an understanding that this is an important part of being a successful baseball team. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't really say it today, but you know, like some of the stuff, I guess, like that I've read previously, just about like the importance of hitting homers. Right. We've talked about this on the podcast all year. I feel like how it's just like such a big part in winning baseball, like modern baseball games, like in this era, like you just, you have to unlock the power and hit for it. And the stuff that today talking about, what did he say about controlling the strike zone on both sides? It's just wonderful, right? So that's like, you know, your, your pitchers controlling the strike zone and your hitters controlling, controlling the strike zone. And, you know, he mentioned to beat writers after apparently that he wants Yohan Moncada to like turn back into the guy that walks 80 times a year. I mean, it's just, this is just stuff that, we're not used to hearing. So like maybe we are blowing some of it a little bit out of proportion because like the rest of the baseball world, right? Like people who root for well-run organizations consistently, like hear this stuff all the time. Right. But we never hear it. So it's like splitting the atom. But I mean, I think it is like finally, you know, and the, you know, even like when he said like the stuff about if he's the smartest guy in the room, you know, like they're in trouble. Like I, you know, that, that stuff's great. Like it should be, like a more collaborative process and the, the best idea wins. Right. And it just, it has not been like that over the last couple of years, you know, over with the white Sox. There's no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. There was some self-awareness that I mentioned, and this comes from Rick Hahn. I just want you to react to this cut because it's really what stood out to me throughout the entire press conference, and it just made me happy to hear. All organizations run the risk of becoming a little insular, and you know, I think all 30 of us are guilty of falling in love with our own guys that you draft and develop and have, whether you've traded for or signed as free agents with expectations. And sometimes it's good to get a little bit of a reality check from outside uh, and a more objective point of view, let's say. And I will say, yeah, I think it was important given, you know, some of the processes over the last few turnovers that we've had uh, to make clear that we were open minded to different points of view and that we were in, uh, interested in what others had to say about us and how we were perceived and how we could get better. We obviously have had a fair amount of success, but not enough. And when you get to that point of frustration that we all felt last year and knowing that you needed to 
uh, change perhaps the way we went about some things. I think it was essential for us to hear from as many different voices as we could about how to get this thing better and how to get it on track. Doesn't mean that we don't have some very high caliber coaches and scouts as part of this organization. It's a matter of complementing those points of view from time to time and, and getting a little bit of a reality check, perhaps. Alternative thinking, James. Uh, you get outside perspective and you're listening to those who are outside your organization. What's interesting to me, too, is Han admitted that the search was exhaustive and it had 30 people and they cut it down to eight. And when they interviewed Pedro Griffol, Griffol raised the bar and it, it was like, you know, he was the right choice then and there. But just to hear him hold himself accountable and, and really putting the organization in light saying, yes, we acknowledge the fact that the insular hires or their yes men, I'm paraphrasing, around us all the time could create a detriment to the future of the organization or the development, or you may misread a talent or you may misvalue a, a talent. I think this is something that I was looking for. I wanted something along these lines to be said, and I credit Rick Hahn for saying it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons why I feel like you should have a search with like a lot of people from a lot of different places, right? Because they will probably be honest with you um, about your players and the way you do things. And it's been one of the criticisms of, of this organization, and I've said it myself, is that you know, Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to hire somebody from the outside because he doesn't want to hear about like how poorly his organization is run. And, you know, to their credit, they went outside. Right. But I, I think we do kind of have to mention that, you know, while they did interview a bunch of people and they settled on Pedro Grifol and he could be great. Like, you know, I, I think he, he sounds wonderful. Right. Like he did have some ties to Chris Getz in Kansas City and he's he's played with Mike Shirley. And look, I mean, Anybody listen to this podcast knows like we all get jobs because of people we know, right? It's just kind of the way it is. Like people are equally qualified for positions and, you know, you end up getting them in most cases because somebody you know works at the place where you ultimately get hired. So that doesn't mean that he's going to be the wrong guy. It's just, you know, it it's kind of part of this thing, but it's not Jim Tomey or, you know, bringing back Ozzy Guillen or something like that. It's somebody that's, you know, been other places, you know, mostly one place, but, you know, a place that, that has been fairly successful, I think, for, you know, just kind of the way that that organization is run. So, you know, I, I think uh, like hearing some of this stuff's good. I'm glad that they did the search. It's one of the things that we talked about ending up with this person. I think all good uh, from here. And he said a lot of things that should just, you know, like I've said, like people should be pretty excited about what they've heard today. And it's interesting too, when you think about what the offseason is going to present to these players without a lockout. I think that's significant. And also the approach to keeping guys healthy. They touched on it a little bit, James, but it was, it was kind of funny in the middle of the press conference that Grifol kind of let something slip and Han wasn't ready to yeah. talk about it. He tried to squish it. Uh, that was, that it was seems like, yeah, it seems like he was going to say something about sports science, which like, look, I think makes sense, right? I've, I've seen a lot on Twitter and people asking me like, oh, are they getting rid of the training staff? And like, the thing is like the training staff and the, you know, the strength and conditioning staff are kind of new, you know, like James Crock had, has take, took over like two years ago, I think as the trainer and, you know, Goldie Simmons was in his first year last year. And like you mentioned, spring training, I think was a huge deal, like not having that spring training. So do they bring in like another department of some sort, you know, another department head, like above those guys, like I'm guessing 
that there's like a sports science department that's coming in that's similar to, you know, other professional and even college sports teams, right, that have these departments and maybe the White Sox are kind of behind a little bit there. But yeah, I think that that was kind of funny that he like mentioned, hey, should we talk about this? And Rick's like, nope, not yet. Not (laughs) like not that. I think it's also important to note that when Grafol talks about instilling energy or empowering players that in baseball, it's kind of unique, right? You just, to me, you want to see your players be locked in in every pitch. And the White Sox were falling asleep on the infield. They were making poor throws in the outfield. They were not making the plays that you watch minor league baseball players make and that uh, completing a relay, simple stuff like that. Griffel also stressed the importance of base running. You know, obviously, he highlighted defense. And now it's on Rick Hahn as well to improve the roster to make sure that this team can effectively run the bases and make plays in the outfield especially. Here's one more cut that I'd like for you to hear that Rick Hahn said. And it's something that I guess I def- I necessarily didn't think about, but when he said it, it made me go, oh yeah, that's actually another thing that pissed me off last season. We spent a lot of time with Pedro talking through improvements to our pregame planning, something that he was heavily involved in in the past, as well as our how we prepare from an offensive standpoint to get the most out of the traits of the players on the roster. How we go about our business in, in that area in particular, I think you're going to see a lot different from what we had in the past. So Rick Hunt's talking about improvements during pregame preparation, right? To, to prepare for the opponent, they're looking for more. What were they doing prior was it showing up to the ballpark whenever they felt like it as long as you're ready for bp and stretching as long as you're on time to get out in the field and get workouts done because it's mandatory but outside of getting your stretches and your sprints and maybe some infield and bp done what else are you doing and to hear rickon acknowledge that Grafol is going to implement a different strategy and preparation makes me think well what the hell was going on over the last two years well, so, I mean, over the last two years, I think it seems pretty obvious, right? I think Tony sat in his office and just, like, trusted that, like, the necessary work was getting done. And for whatever reason, right. it wasn't, right? And, like, these players kind of probably shouldn't have been trusted as much as they were. And I think, you know, I kind of think Jerry Reinsdorf thought, okay, like, we have this ready-made team. I'm going to insert my buddy and we're going to win the World Series. When I think we've kind of learned that, you know, some of these guys, like, needed some more seasoning. And they just, like, they weren't really ready for prime time necessarily. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, and this was brought up today too, that doesn't mean that they're just going to like get rid of four or five players and completely change this baseball team. Because like, look, they built a team that most people thought was one of the primary contenders in the American league. And like a lot of those players are still there. So like, I think step one is like making those players better. I mean, they definitely need tweaks. And, and I think that we'll, you know, it'll be a different team, but it's, you know, like Rick Hahn said, it's not going to be wholesale changes, mostly because like, that's just not that realistic. But I mean, if they play the way that they're capable of playing and they're prepared, you know, I think that could go a long way towards, you know, being the baseball team that I think a lot of the fans and the people that put the team together in the first place, like thought they could be. So Frank Menachino is no longer the Chicago White Sox hitting coach. And before we get into a name who we believe will re- will fill that role and replace Menachino, I want to ask you this, James. There's a lot that's been said about Griffol's relationship with Salvador Perez and the improvement that Perez has made across his career. 
what about those discussions or those notes has you encouraged about Griffel's ability to pull out what can be the ceiling of a player? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like all about like the the relationship building portion of it. And some of this, like, you know, he was modest today and he didn't really get into it. But Ned Yost was on 670, you know, in the afternoon with Parkinson Spiegel. And he, you know, he kind of mentioned how, you know, Griffel was, they were out at seven o'clock in the morning, like working on defense and like that night's game and, you know, doing all this extra stuff. And that's like a guy like Salvi Perez, right? And, you know, some of this was like Salvi wasn't, regarded as the prospect that Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis and some of these guys were, and he kind of turned himself into a star player. And, you know, I think there are some valid criticisms about the way Salvador Perez plays baseball. Right. But I mean, he's, he clearly like exceeded expect, like the expectations that everybody had for him. And apparently Pedro Grafal is like a big part of that. Um, but just like the relationship that he built with him, but some of the stuff that was interesting was Yost talking about like Pedro Grafal, like getting all over Salvi to the point where Salvi wouldn't talk to him for two days, you know? And then like two days later, like you're right back. Right. Cause it's, it's one of those things where like, if you're, you're not coaching players sometimes because you kind of like know what they are or you don't really have expectations for them. Right. But if you have these high expectations for guys, like you're, you're constantly coaching them and you're not letting them off the hook. So I just like, I think that's promising in regard to Luis Robert and, Yohan Moncada and even Aloy Jimenez, like, you know, like just developing these relationships that tell these players that you have their back, but that allows you to kind of be hard on them and get out of them what you need to get out of them so they can live up to their potential on a baseball field. That stuff is like that hidden stuff that like five years from now, like we could look back on and be like, oh yeah, this is why Pedro Grafal was like such a good hire, you know, and why he's still there theoretically at that time, you know, because he like unlocked some of these players. So I think that stuff's like super important. We know that Montoyo, the bench coach, has prior managerial experience, of course, and Pedro Grafol working on his first year as a manager of the Chicago White Sox makes me feel comfortable knowing that there's experience in the dugout. And without Frank Manichino as a hitting coach, James, there's a name that surfaced, uh, likely, it hasn't been named yet, but likely to take over as the hitting coach of the Chicago White Sox. Who is it and uh, what do you know about him? Yeah, so apparently, like the the name that's been bandied about for hitting coach is a guy by the name of Mike Tozar. He's like a special assignment hitting coach for Kansas City, but so he gets a lot of the credit for Salvi Perez's forty eight home homer season or whatever he had, and and uh, Soler too. So he's you know he's like a fifty three year old guy that went to the same high school as Pedro Grafal. They're like best friends. Um, and he's not the hitting coach in Kansas city. He's just like one of these extra guys, but you know, that doesn't mean that he's not qualified for this position. He did work for the Dodgers for a long time in player development. Um, so it sounds like that's going to be the guy. I just, I like that. It's a, you know, it's a modern baseball thinker where these guys understand the importance of on base percentage and, you know, turning that plate patience and plate coverage into, you know, being able to get your pitch and actually like hit for power instead of like some of the, you know, the conflicting narrative I feel like that we've had with the White Sox for years, right? Where you hear some of the stuff about getting your pitch to hit, but then they don't really do anything else with it, right? It's like if, if you're trying to go opposite field all the time and then the baseballs are dead, 
you know, we, we've kind of seen what's happened with that. So I, I think like some of this, like getting into advantageous counts and then pulling the baseball, I think will be a big part of this, like under Pedro Grafol. And, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I've said that like the single biggest issue that I want fixed is, is homers. Like if this team plays, you know, pretty bad defense and does some other dumb things, but you know, they hit like 260 homers or whatever, like they're still going to be right in it. That's, that's the single biggest thing they can do to like fix this problem is to hit for more power because their pitching is absolutely good enough. So as we conclude the podcast, I have one more thing to throw your way, James, and uh, you got to bear with me here because this is a doozy, but on 670, the score a few days ago, George Brett, famous Royal, jumped on the score and mentioned a few things just in passing. Graffole, three-year deal with the White Sox. Okay, that's that's typical. He said that he called Jerry Reinsdorf to tell him essentially that Pedro Graffole is awesome. A few days prior to the announcement that we learned about Pedro Graffole becoming manager, it was like four days prior to that announcement, he got a call, George Brett did, from Tony La Russa. And Tony La Russa asked George Brett what his opinion was on Pedro Graffol. Now, me, when I hear that, uh, I, I start to shudder a little bit because I don't want Tony La Russa meddling in White Sox business anymore. But he may have just been doing that on his own accord because he can't help himself. He's a competitor and he wants to be a part of things and he's still friends with Jerry. So he wanted to get his own taste of what may be ultimately the White Sox manager, which we know came to fruition. But that whole situation, James, like that, all of that coming out, it, it just seems to me that they're that the White Sox front office, right, and specifically Jerry Reinsdorf, has a bunch of people that he likes to communicate with, and then allows himself to formulate his own opinion, and then influences the rest of the decision making process. With that being said, James, like when you hear that Tony Larusa talks to George Brett asking about Pedro Grafol. Obviously, he's going to be passing that information along to Jerry Reinsdorf. What does that say to you? Is it just Tony acting on his own, or is this uh, more than just that? I actually kind of feel like it's nothing this time. I mean, I guess, like, Tony might still be employed by the organization, and I know, like, that was, like, a big thing that that Dan Bernstein wanted to know today, right? Nobody really asked about that, but... Yeah, like I think the funniest part about that George Brett interview was the fact that he said that he was just going to like drive over to this like breakfast place where all these baseball types eat and get his <laughs> breakfast and get his breakfast paid for and find out what's going on. Like that's just like hilarious to me. You like walk in and it's like Jerry and Tony and all the other retired guys that like live in Arizona and Bob Nightingale's hanging around and like this it offers some insight into like how some of these guys get information though, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is like what this is. And it's like, Jerry calls Tony and he's like, Oh yeah, they recommended this Pedro guy. What do you know about him? And then Jerry, and then Tony calls George Brett cause they're both in Arizona. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't think he's right. operating like for the white Sox in any official capacity, but I mean, look, if Jerry, like, you know, kind of thought like, Hey, this is probably going to be the guy like you call and see what you can find out about him. Like th that seems somewhat normal, right. For two, two friends um, to do, you know, I, I don't think Tony La Russa is going to be making decisions um, just because of how cheery Rick Hahn like seemed on the press conference today. Yeah. And look, I mean, we can <laughs> we can we could get into Rick Hahn another time. And, you know, people obviously like have strong thoughts on him, too. But that man looked like he was, you know, like released from from prison today after like a two year sentence. I mean, he like some of the stuff out in the open that he said today, just like a direct reflection on how things have been the last two years was, I just, I don't think he would be 
that way if like all of a sudden like the the two-headed monster of Ken Williams and Rick Hahn like had to add Tony La Russa to it in like a decision-making role. So I do think he'll, you know, he might be around and be up in the box with Jerry and be like an ambassador or whatever. Like I, you know, he, I don't think he works for anybody else anytime soon in like an advisor role. You know what I mean? Like if he does that, it is probably with the White Sox and we're going to have to live with it. But I don't think his day-to-day decisions are going to be affecting like our fandom or White Sox baseball anymore, thankfully. Yeah, I completely agree. That's well said. I 100% uh, am with you there. James, before we wrap up the podcast, is there anything else that you'd like to get off your chest about? Everything that's transpired. I mean, we were waiting for this hire for a little bit. Now that it's happened, what's is there anything that we left uh, uncovered? Yeah, I mean, I just, I like it. I like that it's different. I'm very glad that it wasn't just another insular hire, right? And we did talk a little bit about the insularity of it because it's Kansas City or whatever. But, like, this guy seems very qualified and there's very, like, respected baseball people that think this guy's going to be great. And some of that stuff sounds like lip service, you know, until you hear him. And, like, that was that was good today. Like, you talk about... You know, it's something that they talk about on 670 quite a bit. Like, it's mostly with the Bears, right? But it's like you win. He won the press conference today. Like, that's awesome. Now, you know, comes the hard part, right? But as long as, you know, Pedro Grafol is one of those guys that's involved in making these decisions, like, you know, I think it's just, I think different is good and change is good. And they're not coming from a place where, you know, you're the Marlins or you're the Royals and, you know, you're, you're trying to start fresh. Like this is a team and he said it today. Like this is the only job of the ones that were truly available where you're expected to come in and win immediately. And I, and I think it's, it's a tough task, but I think this guy might be up to it. I'm excited about the hire and, you know, we'll, we'll keep covering it and see what comes about with the rest of the coaching staff. That's another thing that really quick before we go that we didn't really talk about. I mean, it seems like a pretty cleaned out coaching staff, which is, something that other managers like haven't really had here. And, you know, like Ethan Katz and the pitching people staying, I think is a good thing, but everybody else pretty much being gone, I think is a very overwhelming positive in my opinion. That's James Fox, senior editor at Future Socks. He also contributes to SoxMachine.com, our partner. This podcast is brought to you by Blue Wire and the Blue Wire Network. We thank them for getting us where uh, to where you're listening now. Anywhere you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff. Email us at FutureSocks at gmail.com. We really appreciate the uh, feedback and the questions, and we will address them on future podcasts as well. So feel free to do that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Future Socks. I'm at Rankin906. James is at JamesFox917. All right. It's a new day. We're headed into 2023. The off season is just getting started. We want to follow the roster decisions, of course. It's general it's it's Rickon, general manager Rickon's turn to take this ship and uh, write it, right? Because man, was that awful the last couple of seasons. A waste of time, as James put it earlier in the episode. Thanks so much for sticking around. We'll have another episode for you on Tuesday. This is just one that we wanted to do because big news, major news in the Chicago White Sox organization is Pedro Grifol is taking over as manager. Thanks so much again for supporting us at Future Sox. For James Fox, my name is Mike Rankin. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening.